When listening and watching to some of the players' press conferences yesterday afternoon, it seems like there's a decent amount of confidence on South Carolina's side heading into their Week 1 matchup against the Georgia State Panthers. Locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And there were some press conferences that took place yesterday afternoon. And while I didn't have a whole lot of takeaways to some of the specific comments that were made by the players, there was a lot of takeaways that I had regarding the players' demeanor at their press conference and the tone that they exuded when giving their answers. And I'll explain all of that at the beginning of today's show. In segments two and three, I'll be going into a more in-depth breakdown of the Georgia State Panthers. What can we expect from them schematically? How is it that they like to run their offense and defense? I'll be sure to cover all of that in the latter portion of today's show. So let's go on ahead and get right into it with these pressers. So to start off with, the latest on the injuries with South Carolina's football team. There was some pretty good news coming out of this injury report, as according to Coach Shane Beamer, just about everyone should be good to go. He expects Kai Kroger and Christian Bill Smith to be available, which again is probably lingo for, you know, if we really need to put them in the game, then they're going to be there dressed out with the team, and we can put them out there on the field, but maybe don't expect them to start. That's what he probably means by them being available. The one player that apparently has their status still up in the air is Corey Rucker. Corey Rucker, of course, has not practiced for a couple of weeks now. Apparently has been dealing with some sort of ankle or foot injury of some kind. Not quite sure what exactly it is. But to put it bluntly, if Corey Rucker's status is still in question this close to the Week 1 game against the Georgia State Panthers, then it's probably safe to assume at this point that Corey Rucker is not going to play again. That hasn't been completely ruled out yet by Coach Shane Beamer, but... Just from my personal opinion and from what I've been seeing and reading the last few weeks, that seems to be where things are trending. So that is the latest on the injury news. Now let's talk about the players real quick. Now with the players, I don't have many takeaways from their specific comments, but more so with the tone and the demeanor that the guys had. I think that there's a few different ways to describe where they're at going into this game based on the press conferences that I watched from yesterday afternoon. Confident, ready, and hungry. These guys really seem like they are ready to go for game one against Georgia State. I'll start off with Spencer Rattler real quick. Spencer Rattler is probably the most intriguing out of all these guys. And of course, Spencer Rattler is going to garner the most attention out of all these players because of all of the cachet that he has built up over the years as being such a highly talented quarterback in college football. But... With Spencer Rattler, when he was fielding questions from the media, I got a feeling that he's reached a certain level of comfort with the people in Columbia at this point. He seemed like that he really is, you know, maybe not being as uptight. And I'm not saying that, of course, he was at the beginning when he got here. But, of course, whenever you go into a completely different city with a group of people that you have no real relationships with, it can be very hard to really sort of blend in with those people, to really immerse yourself into that group. 
You know, it could be sports. It could be, you know, a new job that you've taken in, in a different metropolitan area. It can be anything in life. But Spencer came in here and, of course, has worked really hard to build up a rapport with this team, not try to act like he's been here three, four, five years. And I think he got a lot of respect from his new teammates because of that. And he seems like that he has really gotten comfortable with even the media. I mean, he was throwing out jokes about, you know, the names that were being thrown out for South Carolina's live mascot and the new name that it should have. So that just told me that Spencer really seems like he's finally gotten comfortable. But at the same time, I also got a sense that he is super excited to go out there Saturday night. And I think that Rattler is tired of talking about what happened last year. I think he is ready to go out there and show all of college football that he still got it. He didn't forget how to play quarterback and that he can still be one of the most talented passers of the football in this country. So I think that Spencer is extremely excited and just got a sense that he's finally reached a point while he's been here where he just kind of can just take a deep breath and just be Spencer Rattler. And that's great to see for Gamecock fans. Antoine Wells Jr. He's a guy that clearly loves the game of football and he takes it very seriously. And uh, needless to say, I think that he's more than ready to go out for the Georgia State game because at one point when asked about, you know, what they've been doing watching film for Georgia State and how they've been preparing for this game, Antoine Wells Jr. basically responded saying, quote, I'm not even going to lie. We're just going to go out there and kill them. You know, there's nothing too much to it. We're going to go out there and ball. So if you need to know how Antoine Wells feels about this game, I think that it seems like he's pretty confident that everything's going to be just fine for South Carolina on Saturday. And of course, again, you don't even want to take that big of a shot at the other team considering what Georgia State has done, at least of course from our standpoint. But I think it's good to see this kind of confidence from a guy like Antoine Wells, who again, seems like he's ready to get out there on the field. And then Cam Smith, when he was asked what a successful night would look like for the defense, he responded saying, quote, shut out. That's number one, zero points. On third down, if we have like 15 third downs, we're trying to stop them 14 out of 15 times. Stopping the run, get negative plays. So Cam Smith, the way that he was talking, it sounds like that the defense is on a mission for this game. They want to go out there and they want to make sure that they don't even let Georgia State in this game based on what Cam Smith said. So my overall takeaway with what all these guys had to say, I don't want to say there's something different about this team quite yet. Obviously, they've yet to take a single snap for the 2022 football season. But at the same time, I can't help but think that with every person who's a part of this program right now, they're all going in the same direction right now. They all have a common goal. They are all laser focused on what it is that this team wants to accomplish. And of course, with some of them, what they probably individually want to accomplish as well. There's a ton of intriguing storylines with this team this year regarding, of course, both the entire group and certain individuals like Spencer Rattler and Cam Smith out of the guys I just mentioned. But with all of that, they all seem like they are still hungry and going out there almost like they are underdogs. And you've got to love that if you're a Gamecock fan. And again, in my opinion, that just speaks to just how ready they are to go out there week one against what is going to be, of course, a very tough group of five opponent in the Georgia State Panthers. What does their offense look like going into this game? What kind of system do they run? What kind of things are they going to do pre-snap to maybe try to affect South Carolina's defense? I'm going to get into all of that in just a couple moments. But first, I want to pass along a quick message from our friends over at BetOnline, who are the sponsors for today's show. They are the fastest and easiest way to check out all of your betting needs. 
You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games, along with reviews and news of every league, including the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, golf, and yes, even esports as well. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering needs, including live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered wherever you need them. So be sure to head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn the latest about the trends and action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, and thank y'all once again for making us your first listen every single day. All right, so let's go ahead and get on into segment two, which starts my in-depth breakdown of what Georgia State is going to bring, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. Let's start off with the offense. Now, real quickly, these notes that I took are from their game against the Auburn Tigers in 2021, and I am admittedly working under the assumption that this offense will mainly be the same, despite the fact that it did change offensive coordinators this past offseason. Now, Overall, this is a quintessential spread option offense that is very reminiscent from the earlier part of the previous decade where this kind of offense really started to become popular, especially from guys like Chip Kelly at Oregon back in his heyday there. So Georgia State, because they like to go spread with their offense, this means a lot of times they're going to have three, sometimes four, and maybe even five receiving options all on the field at the same time. They also can have a very wide alignment with their receivers. There were times where all three of their wideouts weren't bunched up on one side of the field like we see a lot of the time, but yet they were all lined up outside of the opposite hash mark on the football field. In simple terms, they were pretty much completely spread apart from the rest of the offense. And what that basically is trying to do is really force the defense to have to make decisions on exactly where they're going to be aligned on the field based on their play call and their assignments, and also really make them think that they have to cover every single blade of grass on the field. And this will be a continuing theme as I go on with this breakdown. They sometimes will also have multiple H-backs in the backfield or multiple tight ends on either side of the offensive line, which based on their highlights against Auburn seem to more often than not indicate a run was coming. And that can make up sometimes for a lack of size with strength in numbers. Of course, Georgia State being a group of five team, they're not going to have maybe the size and the strength that South Carolina's defensive front does. This is one of the ways in which teams like Georgia State could possibly try to neutralize that deficit there. And because of that, you could see this against South Carolina a lot in terms of their running game. They also like to use motion a lot before the snap as eye candy with either the running back or their slot receivers. And this can be used to tell them what kind of coverage South Carolina is running on that particular play. And based on whether it is man or zone coverage, that can sometimes help the quarterback try to figure out where maybe they need to look, what options that they have during a particular play. From a play calling standpoint, they do like to incorporate some option plays. That includes speed option, where the quarterback and running back basically just take off to one side of the field. The quarterback keeps the ball and continues to run until either there's so much space in front of him that he just keeps going, or a defender runs up and meets him somewhere, at which point he'll then pitch it outside to his running back 
and the running back then will get the ball and try to keep going to get more yards after that. There's also, of course, the read option, in which case they're going to be reading either an interior defensive lineman or maybe the defensive end, and based on the blocking, will leave that guy free and basically say, hey, you either got to go crashing inside and have to tackle the running back, or you're going to have to stay home and respect our quarterback's speed, which Darren Granger, by the way, is a very good athlete. He can definitely take off running if he wants to. And then they also like to run run-pass option, which is very simply put, you can either run the ball or throw the ball, again, based on what the defense is showing you. Now, quarterback Darren Granger, although he is a really solid athlete, he is not the most accurate passer in the world. He is also quick to take off out of the pocket when there is any pressure, whether it be on the edges or on the interior. Their interior offensive line, speaking of which, is solid in terms of their run blocking. They don't get much push, but while Georgia State's interior offensive linemen aren't always able to drive guys back three, four, five plus yards, they do a great job of keeping their hands latched onto the opposing D linemen's jerseys and essentially making sure that those guys aren't able to easily get to the ball carrier. Offensive tackles, I will say, could be a liability here for Georgia State in terms of pass protection. I saw a bunch of plays where at least either the right tackle or the left tackle for Georgia State struggled against Auburn's edge rushers. Guys that were obviously, again, stronger and probably a lot quicker than those guys were just able to blow on right past them. And I think in particular, this could be an area where South Carolina could try and expose that with what they've got in Jordan Stratton, who obviously is a solid athlete in his own right, but also has good technique and has an advantage in terms of knowing some of these guys as well as he does. Obviously, that'll be negated by their knowledge of what he's good and not good at as well. But I think that Jordan Stratton should win a fair share of pass rushing battles based on his experience he has with Georgia State. And then Jordan Birch on the other side, listen, I would think that if there's one guy up front that could absolutely light up that offensive line on Saturday night, it has to be Jordan Birch. Jordan Birch, without looking at any players from Georgia State's team specifically, is probably going to be the best athlete on the field in terms of all the guys in the trenches. When South Carolina's defense is out there on the field, he has to take advantage of that. And I think that he will, because of how he has reshaped his body and how much work he has put in this past offseason. So overall, this Georgia State offense is an offense that tries to do a lot of little things that have sort of really started to be incorporated into college football offenses over the last 10, 12 years. They kind of try to throw a little bit of everything out there. Wide alignments, a lot of three wide receiver formations, a lot of option. A lot of pre-snap motion, trying to take advantage of the fact that they have a quarterback who can take off and scramble at any given moment. So, admittedly, Georgia State has got a lot of things that they do to try to keep defenses on their toes. And based on what I saw them run in this game against Auburn when watching that game back, they do enough to where if you don't take that offense seriously enough... Before you know it, Georgia State could drive right on down the field and score a touchdown. Again, they're not going to necessarily be an explosive offense. They're not going to be an offense that's going to go out there and, you know, score a 75-yard touchdown pass. They're not going to have a run for, like, maybe 80-plus yards for six. They're not going to have plays like that. But what they can do with this kind of offense is they can go sideline to sideline. They can get five yards here, three yards here, another five yards there, and pretty much make your defense suffer through death by a thousand paper cuts. That is the kind of offense that Georgia State is going to be running against South Carolina 
this coming Saturday. And the Gamecocks are going to have to really prioritize their communication both in the defensive front and in the defensive backfield to ensure that they don't allow too many big plays from this Panthers offense. So now that I've talked about Georgia State's offense, what is it that Georgia State brings on the defensive side of the ball? Well, they have a very unique defensive scheme to say the least. And I took these notes from their game against Louisiana on the road back in 2021, which, by the way, would have been against head coach Billy Napier, who is now the head coach at Florida. So you know that Louisiana ran a really good offense this past year. They only gave up 21 points to the Raging Cajuns, which is why I picked this game out. Now, to start off with the way they line up, Georgia State is multiple with how they line up in their front. They can have four down linemen and a linebacker standing upright. Or they could have three down linemen with zero to two linebackers standing upright on either side of the line of scrimmage. It keeps the offensive front on their toes in terms of communication and knowing what their responsibility is for the play when you have this many multiple fronts. And sometimes they could show a three down front with just three defensive linemen and no linebackers lined up on either side of the D-line. However, they could have a fourth rusher come from a second level linebacker. And more often than not, they have two or three linebackers out there on the field at the same time. So you don't know where that fourth rusher is coming from. So they do a lot in terms of how many guys they actually have going after the quarterback, where those guys are coming from, what gap they're actually taking. They change up a lot in terms of that. And because of this, it can really confuse an offense if they do not adjust to it quickly. And I will also say this. They definitely seem to play more of a bend-but-don't-break style of football. There's a lot of zone coverage that they run in the defensive backfield. I didn't really see a whole lot of plays where they ran a lot of man-to-man. And in terms of their pass rush, they don't really bring more than four pass rushers. They don't blitz a whole lot. And the idea with this kind of style of defense is to make the offense spend more time processing what exactly is going on on the field and take up enough time that a mistake is eventually made by the quarterback. Think about it. If the quarterback is standing back in the pocket and there's, say, eight guys that are back in coverage, even if you've got four or five receivers that are out there, with eight defenders standing in all sorts of different areas on the field, that can be really difficult at times for a quarterback to be able to diagnose and read quickly. And so, again, the idea is if that quarterback takes more time looking down the field, trying to find an open receiver, maybe starts to panic a little bit, get a little bit of the jitters, then all of a sudden their defensive line has enough time to eventually shed blocks, which I don't care how good your offensive line is. Offensive linemen can never hold up blocks for longer than like seven, eight seconds max. And those D linemen will eventually get home and either force a turnover or maybe even get a sack. And in terms of forcing quarterbacks to make mistakes, sometimes this could cause the quarterback to decide to take off out of the pocket way quicker. Louisiana's quarterback did that a lot in their game. And this defensive style really did seem to cause some havoc for some of the opposing quarterbacks that Georgia State faced this past year, as the Panthers had 32 sacks as a team, which was tied for the 40th best mark in the FBS. It was six more than the Gamecocks had last year. And another stat to note regarding specifically how efficient the quarterbacks would be, the Panthers allowed 262 passing yards per game in 2021, which admittedly is a decent mark for their opponents. But the opposing quarterbacks cumulatively for the whole season, only completed 59.4% of their passes. 
So essentially, this is a very high-risk, high-reward type of defense in terms of what they are giving up. Their plan is essentially, they'll give up a lot of yards probably in the middle portion of the field. But if it's inside either 25-yard line on either end of the field, then at that point, they'll try to clamp down and they'll try to maybe hold you to a field goal. That's the way that this defense under defensive coordinator Nate Fuqua likes to play and these guys fly around all over the field not saying that they can't be physical because they definitely can but again because of the lack of size that a lot of these defenders have for Georgia State they try to use more of their guys speed to their advantage especially up front when it comes to trying to make plays and of course being in a lot of zone coverage assuming that those guys are going to be quick enough in order to be able to get to a particular spot just in time to either break up a pass or maybe even get an interception. So my overall final thoughts on this defense. This isn't a defense that can hold talented opponents to less than a couple of scores. It's kind of like the offense. They're not going to force a lot of three and outs. There's not going to be a whole lot of times where Georgia State goes out there and on consecutive drives, they don't give up a first down. This defense, quite frankly, is just not designed to do that. But again, as I mentioned earlier, due to the lack of size of this kind of defense, this is a defense that will try to use their speed to their advantage. They will try to swarm you on typical rushing downs, sending four, five, and maybe even sometimes six guys on first or second down and force you to have to make plays on obvious passing downs. Of course, meaning a lot of third down plays, they'll just send four or three rushers where they pretty much tell the opposing quarterback, you go ahead, sit back there and try to find somebody. See if you can pick out an open receiver out of the seven or eight guys that we have sitting back there waiting for you to throw the ball. And if you take too much time, our D-line will be sure to meet you in just a couple of moments. That is the way that this defense likes to operate. And using this type of defensive strategy, Georgia State will undoubtedly assume that you will have some explosive plays. Again, like I mentioned earlier. But again, they're going to challenge you to really excel in terms of situational football. Meaning, on third down, how many third downs are you converting? And also, once you get into the red zone, are you able to drive all the way down the field on this defense, make them bend and subsequently break? Or are you going to get inside the 25 and then they get a stop and now you're selling for field goals? And one field goal turns into two field goals, which turns into three field goals, and so on and so forth. And before you know it, Georgia State actually has the lead now in the game. That's the way that this offense and defense likes to play. And when you think about it, because Georgia State's offense is mainly designed to sort of really methodically drive their way down the field and subsequently sometimes take up a lot of time off the clock, if you don't make these offensive possessions count when you have the ball out on the field, then that's how Georgia State ends up going up 24-12 in Jordan-Hare Stadium against the Auburn Tigers last year. That's how they go in there and they defeat the Tennessee Volunteers in Neyland Stadium in week one back in 2019. This is a very dangerous football team. This is a team that has very specific identities on both sides of the ball. They know who they are and they don't care who it is that they're facing. They're going to go out there with the belief that if they just execute what they do, then they're going to win the football game. The same thing will go for South Carolina. And of course, there's a lot more to get into with this particular game, but I'm going to save all of that for later on in the week because that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. What are y'all's thoughts on Georgia State's offense or defense? What do you think about the schemes that I brought up? The fact that they run a spread option type scheme on offense and the fact that they run a bend but don't break on defense. Do you think that the Gamecocks will have any particular advantages based on these facts. Also, what are y'all's thoughts on the demeanor that the players conveyed in their press conferences yesterday? Do you sort of sense a quiet confidence from some of these guys 
that they feel like they're going to go out there this coming Saturday and that they're going to get the job done, that they are ready for this season. Do you think that there is something different about this year's South Carolina Gamecock football team? I do want to hear all of y'all's thoughts, as always, down below in the comments section if you're watching this on YouTube. But, of course, if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a lion underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as I see them. And, of course, once again, I appreciate all of you for making us your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, go to the Ultimate Pro Football Preview for 2022. This is an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season, combining the thoughts and analysis of local team experts and the NFL insiders of the Locked On Podcast Network. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Hope you have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast.